Welcome to Design Talk. In the next few episodes, we'll be looking at the design ecosystem for new products and new ventures, working across the product team interface, understanding how to work with teams from the outside in and the inside out. Good afternoon, I'm Lucas Pigai. Hello, good afternoon, I'm Wen Hao Liao. And we're very pleased to welcome Jivantika Lingalwar, Cloud Solution Architect at Microsoft. So first, could you say something about yourself? Um, okay. <laughs> well, that's a very uh, small introduction that I'm going to give. So hi, everyone. Uh, it's so nice to be here. My name is Jivantika Lingalwar, as the lovely guys uh, said. And I am a cloud solution architect uh, in Microsoft. I have been working in Microsoft for around two years now. And apart from my full-time role in Microsoft, I am also a founder of two organizations. One is Navicon.com, which is an education consulting that I started uh, for international students or for any students uh, to name in the universities, in colleges, secondary, higher secondary education. And then I also run a group called uh, International Women in Tech, which has around more than 4,500 uh, members as of now. This is a group that is highly active on LinkedIn. Uh, if you just check my LinkedIn, you'll see a lot of activities in there. Um, both the organization are sort of an NGO. I don't charge for anything. There is no revenue in this. This is purely out of helping businesses, helping education, helping students. Uh, grow outside and within what they are doing. So I also run a Coffee Chat with Jivantika, which is a mentorship program, again, free for all. So I started this four months back, and uh, I know how mentorship is so important these days, and it's so difficult to find mentors around. Uh, so that's the reason I started. Certainly, I'm not a, a kind of a hi-fi mentor in every topic, but I'm, I act as a general guide here to help everybody go through the right part of whatever uh, path they choose. So, so far I've taken around 300 calls, uh, which was kind of an overwhelming response that I got outside. And I, and I decided that I'm going to lead this throughout, uh, no matter how many days I have to spend on. So I am active on the weekends as well, because most of the, of, most of the time people prefer uh, having calls on the weekend just on a general advice because, of course, we are all busy uh, nine to five, seven days. So, yeah, uh, in pretty nutshell, uh, well, I recently got married, as Alan just mentioned, and that's my husband in there. <laughs> so I just brought him in here, just wanted him to see what I do. But it's so nice. <laughs> but it's so nice to meet you all again, and thank you guys for uh, having me here. So looking forward to this. Yeah, that's a brilliant introduction. Thank you. Um, now, moving to the role of the cloud solution architect, could you please tell us a little bit more about what it is like and what it is like at Microsoft? Sure. So cloud solution architect is just as simple as it sounds, right? But honestly, <laughs> it's very complicated inside even Till now, it's been eight months I am into this role, and till now I'm figuring out like what is exactly Cloud Solution Architect. Uh, many organizations you might have seen, it's not just Microsoft, but AWS, Google, they also have Cloud Solution Architect. Each of the role differs based on the company, uh, the product you're working in, or the businesses that you are working with. 
my role basically involves a lot of dealing with partners and customers so i look after the system integrators i look after the independent software vendors and under me i am working with 50 partners uh, but not limited again we have to track or from the western europe because i report to western europe we get kind of a number like this is the number of accounts you have to hold but honestly csas are not limited to those partners we have to work beyond that as well so typically um, the day to day life of a csa it it is more around communicating about technology uh, so whatever the partners are using uh, of course the microsoft technology i am there as a csa to help them build that solution help them with the product cost optimization uh, well architected framework and help them with the licensing learning for that skill so i am there from 0 to 10 till they finish the product but uh, on the same hand i am not responsible for implementation but certainly i act as a technical advisor which we all know as chief technology officer so i act as a technical advisor for all these partners so this is kind of a low level uh, introduction to what a csa role looks like in microsoft but apart from that we also have to make sure that each of the pillars that we are leading the culture the values of microsoft our partners are also following that so it's not just about technology but it's also about adopting the values adopting the culture and the partners business growth so we have to act as a trusted advisor for the growth of the organization so that the partners and dealing we just deal with the cio ctos and the you know the big shots the management the business the technical leads but mostly dealing with the ctos of any organization or company that's what we do in terms of uh, csa so there are various level to csa it's not, uh, i work as a csa app innovation biz apps which is power platform power bi uh, dynamics and i am also a little bit i also play a little bit part into data and ai for these partners because our team is small and we don't have a lot of csas in each area but then we also have csa azure csa security and uh, csa modern work so these are the different areas everybody each csa has to be expert in their own areas okay yeah that's a, a great work that you do many things at the same times run for the two ngos meanwhile you do the csa in the microsoft so uh, thank you again for attending the, this face to face because uh, uh, it's uh, very pre- precious for your time and uh, uh, could you share that uh, how did you manage your time like to run such man- so many projects and meanwhile to do the so many things well my time management is really bad to be very honest because uh, i still now i am struggling to manage my time you know because i know like i should take lessons for time management and we should all do that if you are uh, working with three different you know areas or whatever i'm doing with but uh, yes so the good thing about uh, working in microsoft or any other organization which has working flexibility uh, where you can manage your personal life and work balance uh, accordingly so that's the best part of me working for microsoft and then managing the two non-profitable organization is that i have a lot of flexibility so i could manage my full time job which is 9 to 5 but i don't have to do 9 to 5 the good thing here is whatever job i've been given if it's you know it doesn't involve working continuously 9 to 5 it 
a lot depends on the partners that what they are wanting or what they want. So basically, if we are scheduled with one, we have very less internal meetings, especially the CSAs. We don't have to be a lot involved in internal meetings because a lot of time it's a waste of time to be very honest. But we can't ignore any meeting with the partners because customer comes first. That's the priority. So customer is like a god to us. So uh, that's the best thing in here because uh, I manage my time accordingly. I work on Saturdays, Sundays at points. But to be very honest, like sometimes I just work at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night because I am kind of a CSA trainer for the new joiners in Microsoft as well. And especially I give this talk uh, US time. So sometimes it's like one o'clock, two o'clock, I do have to give lectures and kind of CSA training to the US guys, basically based in the corp. And uh, that's that's the reason I don't have a time management because I don't know from where people will come and they'll be like, hey, Jivantika, can you do this for me? So I am kind of, maybe this could be a pro or this could be a con for me because I never say no to anything. I am kind of open to every activity that's coming because I take it more of a positive approach to me that there is a lot to learn from it and maybe this is kind of a career building opportunity for me. So I don't want to miss it. I don't want that if I am saying no, somebody else will get the opportunity and they'll grab it. But of course, at some times, there has to be a no associated to it because I can't do everything and anything uh, at once, right? So yeah, I do manage these things. Whenever I get spare time, I do my women in tech job. Whenever I get spare time, I do Navicon job. So like today, I am out the whole day this morning, uh, I just told my uh, colleagues and manager, I'm gonna be off-site because there are two Microsoft jobs associated to this as I'm a big advocate of DNI, diversity and inclusion. This morning I gave a career lecture in one of the schools. Uh, I don't remember the location, I just followed my Google Maps, uh, but it was somewhere in Dublin, city center. And then right now I came here. After this meeting, I have to be in the city again for the Navicon meeting. So this is how I kind of try to manage everything, you know, that I shouldn't miss my full-time job as well and something that I've started as a passion. Yeah, and I'd say it's a great insight on your week, which I would say it is also varying every week. It is a different one. Um, yeah. And on this topic, I would like to ask you, how do you keep track of the projects that you're um, following, both at Microsoft and your own companies? And in particular, how do you keep track of the individuals that are working on the, um, the software systems that you are um, following? So um, I am very less involved in the um, deep technical software development area in Microsoft. I have to keep track a lot of what my partners are doing. So this, I do it via email and I have a OneNote. Uh, so that's a Microsoft tool that I use. It's more of like a notebook where, so I, as I said, my management is really poor. But uh, that's something that keeps me kind of up to date in what whatever I am doing. So that's my strategy area. So I make sure that in that whiteboard, I have everything pended down. So whatever meeting I'm having or whatever follow-ups I have to take, I will note that down then and then itself. So I won't leave it for the next day or for like two hours because sometimes we're like, okay, I have a back-to-back -back meeting. I won't be able to note it now. So maybe I'll do it two hours later and then you just forget. 
so that's not the approach that i use because i know that i forget very easily at some point uh, so i make sure that whenever i'm having these meetings or whenever i'm working on a technical aspects with partners or with my colleagues or with my peers i should note it down then and then itself so immediately if i do that there is a quick connection i don't know with me and that notebook that i remember okay i have this for this date so it depends like the strategy might depend for each and every person if i am strategizing anything in my notebook that doesn't mean that you will do the same right because that's not what how you will remember it or how you will like to manage it so sometimes you have a different approach where you would like to save it uh, in in your email where you would like to email it yourself so like for uh women in tech whatever information i have to uh, remember or whatever uh, document i have to track i just email it to myself so i know that if i just type jivantika on the top i'll have all the emails for women in tech and then again we are all using laptops and good technology so we have our folder to track everything and every documents but yeah work wise it's very simple for me i don't want to make it any complicated so it's one note for me through all uh no matter for what meeting i'm going going for is it partner or internal or whatever it is i make sure that my one note has it all because the more we make it complicated the more it gets deeper deeper complicated so it's better to make it simple and easy <laughs> thank you for sharing the tools that you manage your times and etc and also you are talking about your customers and the partners so i would like to lo- know some of the story that you you between you and your customers and uh what's the difficulty that you meet with your customers and how do you deal with it so yeah like i think when you say customer is your priority or partners are your priority it means uh that they are on top right you cannot ignore them or whatever partners and customers will get frustrated at some point i was also a customer of microsoft i was also working as one of the customer and i know how frustrating is it gets and the beauty of this is i have experienced working as a customer so i understand and i empathize with customers right so even though now i am a microsoft employee i know how the customer might be feeling because i some day had gone through the same situation so that's the beauty of working in here because now i know how to deal with them how to tackle with them and as a customer you won't realize this because you are paying uh you're paying good amount to a company to get your work done right so you want it to be done in the same way we are also customer of some of the other companies we are also client like vodafone or whatever phone you are using or sim you are using we are one of the clients for them so if we are pay- paying the mul- monthly charges we want that this has to be done uh last month just to give an example i had a huge bill coming from vodafone my phone bill and it was like literally heartbreaking for me to see that bill i was like why what did i do but i was on roaming so that's the reason they gave me a huge bill and i didn't realize that uh, you know vodafone might charge me this much so i was on the call with them shouting how can you do this how can you do that you know how much i am paying i'm a loyal customer and you're doing this to me even though i wasn't loyal uh, but i had to say that come on <laughs> i am paying them the money right and uh, they being that generous <coughs> they gave me a 50% off on that uh, money because i'm a loyal customer you see 
so that's the reason then i realized that this is how the customer also faces so me being a customer when i can be this frustrated when i am not getting what i am paying for the other customers might go through the same so if this, if the customer or a partner is coming to me saying frustrated and saying to me hey i didn't get this done what is your technical support doing i am not happy with your technical support so me being on the microsoft side as an employee have to empathize with them i have to make sure that this whatever problem that they are facing there is a compensation to that it could be in any form right it could be in form of licensing it could be in form of incentives or whatever they are eligible for we have to give them so we can't be the one shouting them at back please mr talk to me in a proper manner no we have to listen to them and we have to be gentle i understand it but at the same point we can't ignore it and just leave it out we have to make sure that there is something in my back that i can give it to them as a solution which makes them happy because we are not here to lose customers or partners they are important to us and that is how you know and these kind of cases come every day it's not just one time story partners and customers might get frustrated every time but when you are empathetic towards them when you let them know that we understand the problem what they are going through and we support them in any way that we can if it could be financially or if it could be with technical support sometimes it might be you know frustrating that technical supports are, are not responding back in 24 hours so there's another way so we have to know our area in a way that we have a solution b in place so it's not like solution a would work for a partner and that's it we can't stop there we have to have a backup that if solution a doesn't work we know that solution b would and if not the b the c would so this is how we have to take care of our customers and partners you know in terms in times when they are frustrated and times where they are happy or whatever it is so that's how we deal with it yeah i think that's the best approach always listening to the customer and then trying to please them one could say um I would like to imagine a situation in which in which I am a Microsoft loyal customer and there is a loyal customer to one of your organizations. I would like to understand how do you prioritize between the requests that come from both ends and when would you say that too much is too much in terms of workload? Uh, so there were many times when i said particularly i wouldn't say for anybody else that this is too much for me um so recently we had a, a change in the management where we had a lot of um less technical management involved and they were uh they were expecting a lot of things which were not in our kpi so we have to take care that you know whatever it is in our kpi we deliver that it's not that i am of course there are certain areas where you have to do more than what your kpi says but at the same point the kpi is the key that is what we are measured on that is how we are paid on and that is how we are you know recognized so in terms of award or whatever promotion that is what first the leadership team will know okay what a kpi is jivantika delivered right so at the same time when the management isn't supporting when there is not a technical leader in 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 your team it gets very difficult to maintain because there will be random asks coming from the team hey this partner is look because as i said before that csas are not bound to or not limited to uh, partners but we are limitless we can work with any customer or any partner so if somebody coming just like 
Ronan reached out to me. I don't work with Ronan, right? I am not in his team. But he reached out to me that, hey, Jivantika, can you deliver this uh, UCD lecture? And I was like, fine, because this is what I like and this is a part of my KPI, you could say. Uh, I do this CSA webinar quite often. So I was like happy to do so because this man, this is not too much for me. This is a part of my job as well. But if something with a customer or a partner where I'm not supposed to get involved with or when there are people who are specially skilled to do that job when the customer is asking, and if you're not asking them and if you're asking some CSA who, was, who doesn't even know what to do and who is not skilled in that, that's when you know I say that this is too much because that give, gives me an extra pressure on top of the normal day job that I'm doing. Right. But there is a way to solve that as well. I cannot sit frustrated and I cannot say no to my team that, hey, I won't be able to do this. Of course, there are times when you have to say no, because not every time you can take workload, which is which gives you nothing back. Um, so I have to make sure that my team understands what skills I possess. I have to make sure that my leaders understand that what Jivantika is capable of and what work she can deliver. Because there are other roles who are highly skilled, highly eligible to sort the problems out for the customer. It's not just the CSAs are involved with partners or customers, but there are PTS, there are STUs, technical specialists, account technical units and everybody. So there is a huge number of uh, roles which are uh, eligible or which who should be working with the partners and customers and they have uh, the relevant skills they have the relevant profile so that's when you know we have to work with the team internally we have to have contacts there is a wide so my the the wonder in Microsoft is it's such a huge organization right so it's very hard to find who is working under whom and who is doing what so we have like internal Yammer group, internal teams group, and I'm part of a lot of community inside, like CSA communities, tech communities, ATU communities, and then I'll post there, hey, some, my partner is looking for this, is this what you can do? And then people will come out, hey, you know what, this is my role, I can do this. Or if some, you're not getting anything, you'll just write, we have a tool, internal tool for uh, employees. Uh, where we can put the request and then somebody will reach out to us if I cannot find it by myself. So that's how it is all worked around. We have tools, we have people, people are supportive. And uh, the important things is you have to ask. If you don't ask outside, like, this is what I need, nobody will know and nobody will come out to you. So I say this to every uh, CSA who joins my team because I know uh, I am... I am a buddy to the new CSAs who have joined recently. And I know how difficult it could get sometimes when you are joining remotely, when you don't have a manager in place, and uh, when you don't know the, uh, how to onboard, and we, when you are completely new to the organization. So it's very important to ask, because a lot of time we don't ask outside. We are like, we could be shy at some point, like, hey, if I ask this, what will others think of me? And we just keep on, you know, thinking that that negativity in our head, we think a lot about others before thinking about ourselves. So if I ask this question, maybe the other person will think, oh, my God, that's a stupid question that he, that he or she is silly. But believe me, no question is silly. We all know that uh, phrase. And uh, if you don't ask, you won't get anything. So in Microsoft... I think the 
most important trick to get what you want or the most important trick to your success is asking and seeking help from others. Okay. Do you meet the situation that one is the customer side, they want the satisfaction, they are not satisfied with uh, uh, your work, and also another side is the company side, like Microsoft have limited resources. So how do you, do you meet this situation before, or how do you uh, balance this situation? Yes, we do meet these kind of situation every so often. So recently, just to give an example, there was um, uh, there was a change that happened in one of our partner program, due to which the partner so we the partner needs to qualify certain areas which make them premier support or uh, which makes them give more extra support for from the technical team, right? Um, and the partner was almost there to get the support and we made some change in the program and the partner had like literally came down 10 points. So that made uh, the partner very frustrated like now what are we going to do? Because there is a change and they were almost there and now all of a sudden because of this change they are not able to get it. So there was a quite a big mess around that was happening. We had to bring the uh, leadership team in. We had to have a conversation with this. And then Microsoft got ready to compensate that as well. So we came up with exceptions. And I started reaching out to the exception team that, listen, this partner is here and here. Uh, the solution is ready. It's about to go in the marketplace, but they are lacking certain points. So what do we do now? We need to give them exception. So we go to the partner and we explain them that, listen, we are able to get you an exception, but this is only for 12 months. And 12 months is a huge period. So sometimes the partner also needs to sacrifice if they want to grow their business to the height they want. And sometimes Microsoft also need to compromise if they want their partner to grow in the business. But we can only sacrifice to a limit and so does the partner, right? As I said, financial status are involved and nobody would like to waste their money. Uh, so that's the reason uh, the exception teams are there to help the partners in such of these cases. And I will go and log the ticket I will uh, convey this message to the partner. Then I'll be kept in the loop. Once I log the ticket, there is a limited work that I have to do, but I have to be in the loop to convey messages from the partners and get the exception team ready and then let the partner know this is what you have to do and blah, blah, blah. So these are the terms and conditions where we fulfill the partner desires as well, and we are also happy on the Microsoft side too. And, yeah, and then everybody's happy. Everybody's Microsoft happy. And the customers. <laughs> Um, sticking to the to the work you do at Microsoft, um, I would like to know how do you like to see architecture um, represented? As a cloud solution architect, you might be able to shed some lights on what you like the most. Um, so it depends on the architecture. Most of the time, you know, uh, I would say ninety percent of the time, it's the partner's job. They know the architecture. My job is to review the architecture and make the changes. So the architecture could be high level, mid level, low level, or you know uh, whatever levels we have. Uh, but because the partner knows what they are, what the solution they are going to build, if what the technology they are going to use, and of course, cost effectiveness is one of the cost optimization is one of the big aspects of any solution or product. So they will have like a <clears throat> demo ready for us, like an architecture demo, and then we'll have the CSAs team involved. So we'll see, we'll review what technology they are using. If that technology is 
comes under me and I am a specialized person with it. I'll go with the flow. I'll have, help the architecture. I'll help with the reviewing and do some changes. Um, and if that technology doesn't fall under me, I'll ask my other CSA colleagues to come up and help the partner with the technology, uh, with the architecture review and the technology that they've been using. So most of the time, uh, they're, they're, the CSAs might do some whiteboarding session with the partners, will do some architecture review to make that uh, solution ready to go and uh, will also bring the implementation team. So I am not involved in the implementation. I am just there to build, help the, help the partner with the solution. We do have a deep technical implementation team which we'll reach out to if that architecture is, go, is like a green signal going through. And that's how we maintain this architecture design. So as I said, it's, it, it a lot depends on the partner, what they're looking for. And then we are there to help them with the cost optimization, with the well-architected frameworks and everything. So there are multiple aspects that are involved. It's a huge area. Uh, so you have to make sure that uh, whatever the partner needs, you give them. So when you come out a solution, you will do the technical documents, right? And the problem is no one will really see those technical documents. So do you have some uh, ideas of how do you motivate the, the team to read those documents and to be uh, more engaged with those knowledges? So we do have like learning um, portals where we actually are assigned with certain technologies that our partners are facing maybe or which could be relevant to CSA role, right? So I know sometimes the architecture documents would be really long. I faced myself and I was like, gave up at some point, like, I'm not reading this. Because uh, I'm anyway, I'm not a big reader. Uh, I don't like to read much. But uh, whenever this feeling comes up when you're not ready to read anything, when it's like too long, you do a meeting with the whole architecture team and the partners and it's a one hour session and you ask the partners to take you through the presentation, the architecture design and that's enough, uh, I would say, for us to understand how the technology works. Because the more uh, people who are engaged in the uh, product or in the solution uh, you're talking with, the more experience and the more knowledge you'll get about the business. So documentation is just a theory. You need to just, it's, it's basically a paper contract which we need to put in, which the partners need to put in. I have never been involved in any documentation. I am more involved in the reviewing, whiteboarding, and you know, designing the architecture and all the stuff. But um, each of us, uh, like everybody in Microsoft, not just the technical team, we do have some assigned trainings, man document management, uh, Microsoft partner training and all that thing that we have to go through every fiscal. And uh, we have to complete it because they are the mandatory trainings. Uh, there, there are also some points. If you don't do it, it doesn't look good in the profile if you don't complete any of the training. So the funny thing is when I joined Microsoft and I was in my six months period, uh, I completed six certifications in six months. So in one month I completed two certificates. I don't know how I did, honestly, it was a miracle I would say that I passed that exam, but it was like the high level uh, design. And that was the time when they stopped giving a lot of certificates. I was like, why this time? <laughs> why couldn't you have do it when I joined it? Because six certification in six months is too much. You need at least three months to 
understand the course and the certification that you're going after. So Power Platform, Data and AI, DevOps, and all that thing, this needs like at least three months if you are in a full-time job, right? Um, so now they have reduced the number of certification and they are focusing more on the partner side, understanding the partner journey, understanding the partner's business and how to deal with the partner. So this is what I like now to, you know, go through the videos and I am telling you the training that we have in Microsoft, the online training, it's like watching a movie. So original characters, everybody will be playing the role and then you are learning from them. So it's much more fun and you understand. Just like we watch movie, we understand what is going on. This is how the training is done uh, in, in the organization. So I think uh, that gives us more picture and more overview of how to deal with our customers and partners. And it's also a great way to share knowledge on how to write and then how to read Absolutely, again the, yeah. the documents. Um, I think that now it's the right time to see if the audience has any questions. Yeah. Uh, so you talked about how partners come up with their own architecture and they know all their stuff before they come to you guys. So th the thing is partners might also have their own technical team and others who will help them with that. So when the partner comes to you and uh, presents their uh, architecture and uh, technologies they want to use, and you find it that it's not the most cost effective or it's not the most efficient way to do that, then how do you convince the partners like to change the technology or the architectural uh, design? So we do have demos and partner case studies where we will help with that particular scenario, right? So there, there, there are particular situations, and of course, when it comes to cost optimization, and the partner is giving a, you know, like a, the bid is high, and we want to give a less bidder one. So of course, the partner would agree, right? Because if and, and if there is a situation where the partner is giving really less amount, and we feel that if they are using this technology, this won't you know, be a long-term or long-term efficiency providing technology, right? And there is another product that we feel might fit in. So we take them through the partner case studies, demos, and all the, you know, we'll ask the SMEs that is a subject matter expert. They'll come in the picture. We'll get the high business leaders like the CEOs and C CIOs and CTOs who will involve. So all the people, all the role who are associated with the financial CFOs as well. So we will make sure that we have a meeting with them to take them through this. And of course, if you want scalability, resilience and reliability, you have to make sure that you use the right products. So this is what is important for the customers as well, and the partners as well, and for Microsoft as well, because we want that whatever product our partners are using, if they are creating solution using that product, they are also selling it to the customer, their customer, right? So we want it to be more efficient and not something that will fall apart in one year or two years. So guarantee warranty is a very important thing, you know. Is there any more questions? Oh, the last one. Last question. Hi, Jeevantika. Hi. Danish here. Um, <clears throat> just having a look at your success and you've started as a cloud application developer moving to CTO of a company, and then you are kind of uh, started as a partner technology specialist. So just wanted to know, I mean, what is the secret of this success? Like what do you, what would you uh, kind of, as we are now students and we would like to, you know, Microsoft is a company which everyone looks up to. So what is the, what are the traits which you see in someone who is capable of joining Microsoft? And what were, 
the skills which you learned in your previous organizations which helped you to move up to Microsoft at the level that you are? Um, thanks, Danish. Uh, that was a very good uh, question you asked and also thanks for looking at the profile. But honestly, there's no secret. Uh, I don't have a secret recipe. Whatever it is, it's an open book. Uh, you can see it on my LinkedIn profile. And uh, I think the big key to my success or whatever phases I have gone through is optimism. Uh, I failed many times in my life and this is my motto as well which I carry around everywhere that I don't fear losing, I fear not trying. So I am not afraid of losing at all or a failure at all. I just laugh at myself sometimes that I fail. I failed many times. Like if people are failing 10 times, I might have failed 1000 times. And I can say this very proudly. It's not that I'm happy, but this is something that is a learning uh, learning curve for me. I learn from my mistakes. And uh, I think when people make mistakes, that's not a big deal. The big deal is when you don't learn from your mistakes and you keep repeating them, right? So that's what has carried me throughout. Um, so I came in Ireland, just to give a b brief background to answer your question. I came to Ireland in 2018 to do my master's from NCI, which we all know, by the way. By the way, I like UCD, okay? Sorry, NCI. <laughs> but I came to do my master's in National College of Ireland, and uh, I did cloud computing as my uh, course, uh, master's of cloud computing. Uh, when I came in uh, as an international student, we all of us might uh, be aware of this, that we take huge loans from back home to you know do the education, and I was one of them. And to repay it back, I don't, didn't want it to be a burden on my family, so I started doing part-time jobs, you're as a secretary, like actually security, not the secretary, but a security events to it is. And the good thing is I get to uh, go in many concerts, Bruno Mars, Longitude, Latitude for free. So I enjoyed that. And then I also worked as a cashier in the Asian stores. I did multiple jobs as part-time job part with my studies that was going on, uh, although I was an average student. But I managed somehow and I enjoyed my life. So my motto is enjoying, right? Whatever you do, it should make you happy and not make you feel like you're a slave working in any company or for somebody else. So that was my biggest secret, you could say, that I just made my life very simple by being optimistic, by being positive, taking my failures uh, as uh, one of my lessons of life, and uh, <clears throat> just going through with the flow. So after finishing my dissertation, I got a call from one of the logistics where I was a cloud application developer. And development was never my cup of tea, honestly. Uh, in India, I finished my bachelor's and through campus recruitment, I got a job again as an Android developer. So I worked in India for like 18 months uh, and I was like bored because that job felt so boring. 13 hours of job, coding, making applications. And I was like, what am I doing? This is not who am I, right? I love talking. I love communicating. So I wanted something more of a management or a leadership role. That's when I decided that I need to go out, explore different country, meet new people, meet new talents and skills and all that thing. So that's how I chose Ireland as one of the uh, place where I want to be in. And uh, I got a, jo a job in the logistics. I went there for three months. I was in there for three months. And uh, I was like outgoing at that point. I made, we were a lot dealing with vendors. 
so that time our company was going through digital transformation and microsoft was our initial partner like the main partner so every thursday we had to go to microsoft office do the strategy meeting and all so i was very active in those meeting i was uh, asking questions as i said asking is very important i was asking a lot of question i was building strategies for them and my company realized that cloud application developer is not the role i should have so they promoted me to cto so i was a chief technology officer for them and i realized that when your title change people change right so i started to get a lot of affection from people outside because i had that c suite high five cto kind of a role but i was doing the ro- normal job you know like i was not we behaving like a cto sometimes it also depends on how you showcase or presents yourself to the outside world and i was like a very normal 9 to 5 job working woman with lots of talking and you know asking questions and blah 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 so i went to seattle for executive briefing made a lot of connection for me connection and networking is super important and that is one of my biggest reason of being where i'm today because my connections helped me a lot i learned a lot from people i always put others first on you know when it comes to learning i make sure that i don't let them know that i know everything i want them to speak i want them to uh give me knowledge whatever experience they have so this is all what led me here and then personal experience for women in tech being an international woman uh, male dominant industry and why we are not getting that same position so that's what motivated me to start women in tech forum and navicon again for education because i came as a student and i've seen how hard it is for student here we don't have stamps uh, we don't have you know uh, some some of us are freshers and we don't get a job people uh, ignore us because uh, we don't have the right proper stamp to work in the company and then they have to pay a lot of money for immigration and all that thing so i thought maybe now i have the experience i have the knowledge so i should help students as well in education and how to go in the cloud data and ai which industry is the hottest so that's the reason i started uh, the consulting business as well which is again a free business so the women in tech and navicon is a free business i don't earn anything out of it it's just a side hustle you can call it i from the very beginning i have a habit of helping others which gives me joy so that is the sole reason of starting women in tech and uh, navicon Yeah and I agree that enjoying is probably one of the key mottos to be also successful in what you do because you like it and then you keep performing um well um and that also works as a as an advice for all of us I would say but do you have any final words that you would like to share with us before we wrap it up Yeah like really quickly I would say uh be bet on optimism always that is the key uh, i know sometimes it's very hard when we are studying when we're looking for job or when we are in the job life doesn't give us a lot of easy options it's a lot complicated right but at the same point it's also important how you look at it if you make it fun it's going to be really easy for us to live but if you make it complicated life will treat you the same way so i would say whatever you do uh you enjoy in whatever you're doing if 
that doesn't keep you happy i say that that has no meaning to live for right so just do whatever you feel like and make time for yourself uh make time for family that is again very important for me my family is very important so i make sure that i have time for them as well and then i'm balancing my work too so don't just focus on work but focus on the other activities too because you're not going to get this time again so i know that was very philosophical but uh, it's it's the optimistic approach that i use towards what i'm doing so that's that's what i wanted to convey thank you jamanika for sharing your experience and also the attitude towards the life so i really appreciate that you are doing good things and beneficial for all the people so but the time is limited so we are going to wrap it up here so we hope in the future we have more chances to listen to your still story and share to us so wish all of us will have a good day and a good night thank, thank you, you very much thank you thank, thank you, you so jivantika much. thank you thank you for listening and sharing this episode The music is dismantled by Ben Pronti and used with his permission. <laughs>